And here we are at episode 18 with Dr. Rebecca Lewis from Newston Health in the UK. Prior to starting this podcast, I knew nothing of the pros or cons of hormonal replacement therapy, also known as HRT. In the back of my mind was the idea that it wasn't an option as it was not a natural way to deal with perimenopause or menopause symptoms. And I felt that I'd done a good amount of research to understand how I might be able to combat my own symptoms without HRT. Well, my eyes have been opened, or at the very least, I am now informed. And here is where we sit with this journey to discover all the information we can on sexy aging and longevity. I now know about HRT, and I am not shutting the door to it. I'm very excited to share this conversation with one of the UK's top menopause doctors. Thank you to Dr. Rebecca for all you do to help women around the world. Let's crack on, shall we? Okay, so this podcast is just heating up big time as I have this amazing guest today on the Sexy Aging Podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Rebecca Lewis. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me, Tracy. Yeah, and I'm really excited. I've been kind of stalking you a little bit because um, (laughs) after after I introduced um, Amanda on a podcast a couple of... um, a couple of weeks ago now and she mentioned that we should connect but I had already downloaded your app balance the one that you're involved with and I have been tracking the um documentary that features Uh um Davina McCall in the UK and obviously I'm on the opposite side of the world so not able to access the documentary but I've been tracking what's happening and I think what's really cool is the um acceleration of the conversation around what's happening to women as they age through midlife or their third stage and um and then you came into the conversation and now here we are so I think we're Brilliant. all try, all wanting to get on this platform to really help women. That's what we're here completely. for. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. It's such a unmet need. Um, women's health and, and this age is has been neglected for decades and it's got to change. It's really, really damaging women's health and uh, raising awareness is uh, so important. And yeah. we're trying to do that with a menopause charity um, and do that globally. So it's lovely to talk to someone in New Zealand. Yes, thank you. Um, so I'd like to just give a quick overview. Um, you're a mum. Yeah, <laughs> that's our, yeah, that's our connection. And then just before yeah. this podcast started recording, I've got, you know, my child coming in and out. You know, <laughs> this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Yeah. And you love to run. Yeah, I'm a keen runner. And yeah. Um, and yeah, do that. It's really important for me for my mental health, physical health. It's just yeah, so while you're running in the UK, I'm running in New Zealand, so we're, we've got that yep. connection as well. I mean, yeah, the same reason, yeah. it used to be about, I used to use running to help me maintain my calorie intake, which is yeah, terrible, yeah. right? Yeah. But now I do it for the mental health reasons. I do it yeah. because as I'm running along, I'm solving a lot of problems. I'm thinking about, yeah. you know, yeah. what's going to yeah. happen today. So it's really nice. And you are a GP with a special focus on menopause. Yep. So if I yep. could hand um, it over to you so you can help us understand what does that mean and how do you help women? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm a doctor and uh, anaesthetist to start with and now a general practitioner and became menopause specialist in the last few years. 
Um, and now I practice solely in a in Newton Health uh, Menopause Clinic. I'm a director there, um, and solely see menopausal women actually. And it's it's probably one of the biggest. I think it's the biggest one in the in the UK or the world even because there are not many around, unfortunately. Um, so we see a lot of women with the same problems uh, universally that have been neglected. Um, and that's my passion now, really. Um, Louise Newson has been a real pioneer in uh, the menopause world and really has been responsible for us all talking about it over the last few years. Um, and hence, thank goodness, the conversation has got going um, because it's been a terrible taboo, still is, uh, still a lot of work to do. Terrible taboo. Um, and, you know, so much, so many misconceptions about the menopause itself. Uh, it's shrouded in secrecy. Um, you know, previous generation traditionally did not talk about it. So women, very highly educated women come to my clinic and have not got a clue what's happening to them. So it can be incredibly uh, difficult time for women and uh, frightening time because these things can be very um, uh, sort of insidious and in onset symptoms um, and can be devastating for some women and frightening and they worry they've got a brain tumor or dementia. Um, and uh, so increased knowledge is absolute key, dispelling myths and discussing good treatments um, are really, really important, I think. So I'm delighted to be here to have that opportunity to, to talk and hopefully help a few women if, if I can. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, well, you've got all the information that I am seeking. So I just um, <laughs> I just wanted sort of to put put myself on this conversation and say you know like mm -hmm. I am not the expert in menopause I've said that many times through the podcast I am a connector the person that yeah. goes hey look I know someone who can help you and it's always been around trying yeah. to get some information and insights to help my fellow woman going through the same yes. situation yeah. as me so I am a menopausal woman and I'm in fitness and yeah. Quite a few years ago, I started looking into what was happening on the hormonal front. Like I knew things were happening, mm. but I mm -hmm. couldn't figure out all the symptoms. And there just seemed to be so many yeah. random things happening. So yeah. I want to yeah. ask you, like, what can you break it down for us? Like the things that we should be looking yeah. for and it, around about what time of our life? Because I remember probably mm. some of the first symptoms hitting me around 45 which most yep. people would seem as like, oh, that's quite young. Don't you get like menopausal mm. when you're like in mm. your 50s? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I really did notice some things happening and I couldn't figure it out. And I guess I put it on the back burner like, oh, I've just had a bad sleep or I'm yep. a bit tired and also have, have a young child. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's those exactly. things that you're just sleep deprived, right? Yeah, you've, you've summarized it really well. Um for a start, what it, well, let's talk about what is what is the menopause. I mean, it really is officially it is the, your a year and one day after your last natural period. So it's a look back in time diagnosis. The perimenopause is the time leading up to that, and that can be ten years before your actual last period. So the average age in the UK of your last period is about fifty-one. So menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms can start from early forties. But actually, one in 100 women will reach menopause under the age of 40. And one in 100 is not that rare. Um, so women in their 30s, and we're seeing increasingly um, higher numbers of women in the younger years as a result of cancer treatments, um, which have been successful in treating their cancer, but it has damaged the ovaries. 
also not only is fertility damaged, but they're put into the premature early menopause. So uh, one of our youngest patients started her menopause at 14. So it can affect all ranges, all age ranges. So that's the important fact, number one. The classical age of your last period is 45 to 55. And it's very variable. And what happens, we run out of eggs. We're born with so many eggs in the ovary and we just, you know, we run out of them. And as we run out of them, the ovary fails and fails to produce these vital hormones for women, estrogen, which is the most important one, progesterone and testosterone. Well, they're all very important, actually. Um, but these hormones begin to fluctuate and decrease in their production. Um, and as they're sort of decreasing, the ovary doesn't just wake up one day and then the next day it's gone. It doesn't just stop unless it's a surgical menopause where they're removed. It's just a very fluctuating, exactly that uh, time for women, as the ovary stutters to a stop, if you like. It's not a nice, elegant decline that you can predict. It's a stuttering stop. So the oestrogen, the ovary tries to produce oestrogen for a little bit and it can, it can be successful and you can have quite high levels for, for a little while and then they suddenly drop and then they recover. And literally, if you look at a graph of a, a, a woman who is perimenopausal, which means she's still having her periods, um, but the hormonal um, function of the ovary is not as it was, it's up and down, it's chaotic and it goes up and down, up and down. And this can make a woman feel chaotic as well. Yeah, okay, so that was definitely something that happened to me and you've explained it beautifully. So I, I think I did see that graph and it, the first mm. time I saw the graph, maybe only a month or two ago, I found it really confronting because the, the spikes that just go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And then it makes you go, oh, well, you know, when I was um, having regular periods and I would have PMS, I was yes. aware of it. I, I became very yeah. aware of it and conscious of it. And, you know, I would feel yeah. agitated and I'd probably snap at my husband and my kids. But yeah. then when I was perimenopausal, it yeah. was insane. <laughs> I would Absolutely. say borderline psychotic. And yeah. that, because of that symptom in particular, I really felt like um, I was, I, I, I kind of diagnosed myself as um, maybe depressed but it yep. was, I mean, that's probably, I think now in hindsight, an overdiagnosis because I just didn't mm. understand what was happening with my hormones. Mm. So that graph is really confronting. And I think it's yeah. almost like a relief to know. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's not your fault. Um, and women don't recognize themselves. So if they've always had a little bit of PMS, which may not have been too bad, it will get worse with this massive fluctuation in their estrogen production. I don't know any woman who had... I don't know any woman who hasn't suffered to a degree of an increased amount of anxiety. And for some women, it can be absolutely dreadful. They'll become housebound, they have to give up their job. Um, they can't go out of the house, they stop driving on the motorway here. That's a really common symptom. Um, and they don't recognize themselves. They maybe have never suffered with anxiety before or low mood. So this is a very worrying you know, experience for them. They, the mood is down and flat. I describe it as a loss of joy, really, rather than clinical depression, which is a sustained low mood. Everything, um, the joy, the color of life, the excitement of life vanishes. Um, and everything's mundane. It's like walking through treacle, uh, an enormous effort. The fatigue can be really disabling, similar to uh, the fatigue uh, you can experience in the first trimester of pregnancy. Um, 
So people are feeling really exhausted, have to lie down. Everything is an effort, a mental effort and a physical effort. Um, and they just lose this interest and loss of joy. So even if something lovely happens, they can't get excited and, and feel that lovely joy. Um, muscles are affected. Joints and muscles are really, it's so important. You must see that in your job all the time, how um, important it is to have your muscle mass and bulk. When we lose estrogen, the muscle um, density gets less and it's something called sarcopenia, loss of muscle bulk. Um, so they become weaker, but, but painful and, and uh, very tight and stiff. The turning over in bed hurts and I think people think they need a new mattress but it's not that it's their actual musculature is all very tight um, and actually the joints can be very painful and stiff so people quite understandably think they're developing an arthritis and they put it down to aging and it's not that it's it's the it's the estrogen effect it affects our skin our hair our nails many women know that their hair gets dry and their eyes get dry dry eyes dry mouth um, Palpitations are very common. It affects the um, electrical system in the heart. Um, bowel symptoms, irritable bowel, often flares up uh, nausea, reflux. Vagina is so important because of vaginal and bladder health. So urinary frequency, um, recurrent urine infections. It's really important to have enough estrogen to have really good vaginal health, by which I mean to have um, nice, blood supply to the vagina, thick vaginal walls with a good layer of lubrication on top. That's normal, healthy tissue. Without estrogen, the walls become thinner and we lose that layer of lubrication. So um, it can be very sore and painful with sex, but not only sex, you don't have to be sexually active. It can be very painful just wearing underwear for some women or jeans. Um, the, the external vulval area is very sore and itchy as well. Um, and some women, poor women, even sitting down is uncomfortable. I mean, imagine that, how, how difficult that can be. So a myriad of symptoms and forgetfulness. People really worry that they're getting dementia, early onset dementia. They can't get the right words. Um, they forget uh, word finding difficulties and they're easy words often. Um, their memory, they're constantly making lists. Um, thought blocking, they're in the middle of a sentence and they just stop talking because they can't remember the subject they're talking about. And it's embarrassing, you know, it, you know, at work or with your friends in a, in a social situation, you can't remember the, the word, then you have a nice, lovely sweat, you have you know, sweaty everywhere. It, it really can be very, very uh, tricky for some women. And no, I think um, actually that you mentioned that one, yeah. I think one of the scariest, that is one of the scariest symptoms, if you've got to stand up and, do, and present content, or mm. you're doing a business presentation, I've got a few things mm -hmm. coming up, and um, you know, like, have stopped mid-sentence, and yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I almost want to start the presentation with, okay, so I'm a menopausal woman. So if I stop <laughs> mid-sentence, let's just accept that and don't look at me weird yeah. because I yeah. know what I want to say and I will get back on track, but it's just easier to put it out there from the beginning. Like I would yeah. love to start like that because I know I what I'm talking about, but yeah. sometimes the thought yeah. or the word just doesn't come and it's freaky. Yeah. I know. It's really freaky. And in front of your boss or whatever, you know, it affects your confidence, wouldn't it just? And, and that's why 20% of people leave their jobs due to menopause, 10% permanently. 
it's horrendous. And 51% will reduce hours, 51% will be off sick, 90% um, off for eight years, um, eight years, eight weeks uh, at least. Um, that's the survey we did uh, just recently last year on a thousand women. So it, it has devastating effects on women can do, uh, not only on their personal life, their relationships uh, with their loved ones, often women feel very detached um, and misunderstood, uh, can't express themselves properly. Um, after being quite sociable, maybe don't want to socialize. Um, it's, it's an effort and people are irritating you anyway, you get much more irritable in general. Um, so even your lovely friends that you know, being great friends with, you don't want to go out. So women become shells of their former selves. And that's really, really sad to hear that. Their vivacity, their love for life diminishes. And, you know, that's a tragedy. Why should that happen? And why should we put up with that? Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. I mean, that's a huge amount of information to break down for someone who's maybe questioning, questioning, yeah. you know, what's happening to themselves. Uh, I did an episode with my husband <laughs> oh, yeah. and we downloaded um, the, you know, 35, 36 symptoms, most 36 symptoms, the most common ones. And yeah. I did a test on him and, yeah. you know, for the podcast. Okay, so here's all the symptoms and you've got to say yes or no whether you think that I had them. He absolutely uh -huh. nailed it and we got about 27. Gosh. So I yeah. got about 27 yeah. symptoms, which is, yeah. for me, it yeah. was a, like, it was quite sort of confronting. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for just sort of bringing those from a medical perspective. This is this is what you will experience and this is what you will see yeah. and feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do we deal with this? Now that the conversation is out there and we're saying, hey ladies, these yeah. things are real, this will happen. Here's yeah. what we can do about it because it's, it's I don't I know that trick. Treatable is like such a bad way of describing something that's so natural, right? Yeah, it is completely yeah. natural, but we are now living to the age of 82 on average, um, which is not natural. Thank God it's happening, but it's not natural. Um, the average age of death in Victorian times was 59. So we're now seeing the effects of long-term estrogen deficiency on women because uh, you know they're potentially living 30, 40 years after their menopause without estrogen, and it causes damage to our health. And that's another problem people don't understand, actually, that low estrogen levels have direct health risks. Um, and it's, we'll, get, we'll talk through that. One little thing I wanted to say, if you do, it's actually understanding when you're reaching perimenopause, these symptoms, because they can be insidious in onset to start with. The balance app you mentioned, which is free, um, you mentioned earlier is really good at uh, symptom tracking it's got all those 32 symptoms and there are more by the way but anyway the, the most common and they can you can track that with your period and see that the symptoms worsen just before your period in perimenopause um, and then it can give you a health report that in the UK you can take to your GP and then the conversation is on the right foot from the start let's talk about hormones how are we going to manage it and I really are uh, real thing is to actually get people, women themselves, society, businessmen and doctors to be proactive in managing menopause now, not just swept under the carpet. Yeah, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I think, yeah, I, um, I have an episode launched this week and we talked about menopause in the workplace. 
and how to fix oh. women in the, in the corporate yeah. work environment. So that was Absolutely. awesome. I had such amazing feedback. A lot of women uh, moved to tears because yes. they just couldn't figure out how they were going to sustain a career when they had no. so much doubt uh, and their confidence levels dropped so much and they just felt like, oh my gosh, someone is talking to me yeah. about me yeah. and that, you know, I can deal with this. There is a way forward. Yeah. So it's, it's cathartic in many ways, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I'd like to actually really dive into something that I know very little about, but I am starting to investigate, um, uh -huh. which is hormone replacement therapy or hormone therapy. So you are... Um, a huge advocate mm -hmm. for women having information around their options, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. So I am not taking HRT. I'm not saying I'm never going to take it, but I don't feel that I've got symptoms that are unmanageable at this point in time. But that's just my perspective. That's me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I should be taking yeah. it. Maybe it would be better if I did. So can you yeah. help me understand? under yeah. what um, situation a woman would be a good candidate for, for hormone replacement therapy? So we discussed that the menopause really is a loss of the hormones and the loss of function of our organ, the ovary. Um, so it can be thought of really as a hormone deficiency, much like thyroid and, and hypothyroidism, low, thyrox, low thyroid levels. And we would replace that with thyroxine. And that's the principle of HRT. It's simply replacing the hormones that a woman has lost, um, because that is the most effective treatment of all those symptoms we've just discussed. Because the symptoms arise due to a lack of estrogen. So replacing estrogen gets the receptor in these organs and ensures better function. And um, the woman returning back to normal. The woman sleeps better, uh, their muscle pains at the right dose um, improve, um, their mood improves, they can stop antidepressants if they've been misdiagnosed with uh, uh, depression and anxiety. Um, they can, their migraines, if they have migraines, that's a really common problem, will always get worse in, in the perimenopause. That controls the migraines well as long as the estrogen is given through the skin. Um, and many of their symptoms, and they feel back to themselves and they are so relieved that they can then function, they can go to work, they don't have to give up their job. And, no financial impact as a result. They're getting on with their, uh, you know, their lives and their families and everything. So really important to improve quality of life and, uh, and really it's a, the most effective treatment that treated symptoms. Plus for free, if you treat a woman in the menopause within 10 years of her last period, um, you will, with HRT, you will halve their risk of heart disease you will decrease their risk of osteoporosis and treat osteoporosis, the first line treatment for osteoporosis between uh, the ages of 50 and 60, were it to be present. Women won't know if they've got it because it's not painful until they fracture, uh, fall and fracture a hip in their 70s or 80s, um, when it's a little bit late then. Um, it will help um, decrease your risk of dementia, type two diabetes and obesity. And we have shown from a really good uh, randomized controlled start, trial study that actually all causes of death are a little lower um, on women who take HRT compared with women who don't take HRT. So there's some long-term health benefits. We know that estrogen keeps the arteries soft and supple and helps against blood pressure, atherosclerosis, the stirring up of the arteries. So it's a, it helps with that. After the menopause, there's a five times increased risk of, of, of heart attack actually. Uh, we have a very low risk of heart attack compared with men because we have that 
before the menopause because we have that advantage, the biological advantage of estrogen. And after the menopause, our rates zoom right up and, and completely match the men. And uh, so that is a really important part of the equation of why you might want to take a woman might want to take HRT. We'd all, always advocate regulated body identical HRT, that's the gold standard, which means exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly the same copy of estrogen um, as the ovaries produce and progesterone. So, you know, you're placing physiologically perfect. Uh, it's replacing like with like. It's derived from the yam root vegetable plant. So it's a nice derivation source, not like the old fashioned from pregnant mare's urine. Um, so this is a, a completely different kettle of fish, if you like, to the more old fashioned types of HRT. And it's, I have practiced medicine for many years. Um, and this is the most rewarding medicine I have ever done because it's transformational for some women. Um, and it can really help their quality of life. And I know that I'm helping their future health as well. I think that is really the key, key thing about HRT. If estrogen is given through the skin, which we always do, and that's the, the body identical, regulated body identical HRT, there's no increased risk of blood clots. So people with migraines can have it, people who are overweight, people with blood pressure. It really is very, very safe to have that. What the elephant in the room is, is people worry about breast cancer. And that was due to, yeah. So yeah, this is this is where I'm coming from. I'm like, well, I've been in conversations and people are like, oh no, HRT, breast cancer. Yeah. And I yeah. and I was like, well, says who and why? And and mm -hmm. how did we get to that point that we mm. associate this thing that's going to help women with breast cancer? And now I mean, like anything could be associated with breast cancer today, right? So can you sort of update yeah. us a little bit of how do we get yeah. to that conversation? It's like, this is just another way of stopping women from accessing the health needs that, that are out there. Cause it kind of feels like that, like a conspiracy yeah. theory, but yeah. Can you help us with this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in 2002, a large study in America um, was completed and it was analyzed and released to the press before it was peer reviewed. Um, and the headlines were straight away, uh, increases the risk of breast cancer and stroke. And it was everywhere, all over the world. And women were frightened, as you would be, oh, right, off HRT. So women of that generation were affected, their daughters were affected. I was probably about 20 at the time or something like that. And remember thinking, oh, gosh, right, dreadful. Don't want to do HRT. You know, that's, that, anyway, that's the later on. But it's in our psyche now. It's in the psyche um, of, of the next our generation now who are now going through the menopause um it was incorrect they have it was it was incorrect incorrect statistics were applied to that study whi study it's called and they have been re-evaluated and in fact the opposite has been found in many cases so women who have estrogen only from the whi after looking at uh, the correct statistics applying the correct statistics and following women up for 18 years now Women who've had a hysterectomy only need estrogen replacement. Um, and they followed these women up for 18 years and they've shown actually they had slightly lower risk of breast cancer compared with women not on HRT. Combined HRT, which means estrogen and progesterone, which women with a womb have to take the progesterone to keep the womb health, the lining healthy, um, there may be a small increased risk of breast cancer. However, 
not in a younger woman, um, under 51 I'm talking, but um, risk, increased risk, looking at all types of HRT, including the old-fashioned Laird's urine one, tablet type, and what we call synthetic progesterones and estrogens, there may be a small increased risk of breast cancer, but the increased risk of breast cancer is less than drinking a large glass of wine every night, two units of alcohol every night, carries a higher risk of developing breast cancer than HRT. Being overweight or obese carries six to 10 times an increased risk compared with HRT. So women need to make, understand that before they make close their minds to it, because it, uh, you know, the potential benefits, so many benefits of HRT. Like everything in life, we get in a car, we, we weigh up the, the risks and the benefits. No one's telling me don't get in the car to take your kids to school. You could have an accident. Well, of course I could have an accident, but overall I feel it's the, it's the right thing to do. So we make judgments and risk. No such thing is no such thing as risk free. Um, and a woman has the intelligence to make that decision and understanding when the benefits far far outweigh that very potential for risk. And that's not, that's a quote from my guidance 2015. The benefits far outweigh the risk in the majority of women. Um, so I think that's really important message to get across. And actually the regulated body identical HRT, the progesterone that that is used, the natural progesterone, there's been a five-year study from France saying there's been no increased risk of breast cancer for taking it for five years. Now after that, they haven't done, we need more studies on that to see how long that will last. But I think if you think in general, there possibly could be a very, very small increased risk. But do you know what? Once I take HRT, I've got the motivation to exercise and perhaps lose that extra weight. So that's reducing my risk of breast cancer. Maybe I'm drinking a bit too much because I'm numbing my terrible symptoms and um, I can actually manage to then, because I'm feeling better from the HRT, I'm in a, the right mental state to, to attack my alcohol and bring that down because I'm feeling better. Um, so actually women's health, improves because of HRT, because they're feeling better and they can manage their lifestyle, which I'm very keen on because it's looking at holistically at the woman to make some lifestyle changes. But there's no good saying to the woman who's got serious symptoms of muscle aches and pains, absolute fatigue, no interest, no motivation. I want you down that gym five times a week exercising. It's not gonna happen, but it might happen if they have HRT. And they, and, and, and they can start to think about an exercise schedule into their lives. And they can start yeah. to think about eat healthy eating, you know? Um, and I think it's all about looking at someone as a whole person and, and realizing actually how important, and this is an emerging topic now, how important estrogen is for us women. Um, and it's been neglected because sadly women's health has been neglected and we need more research into the menopause, et cetera. Um, and, and we need women to understand that actually these risks, they're not really high risk at all in, for the majority of women. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah, no, it is important. So I'm sitting here thinking about what you're telling me about HRT and the benefits and everything. If I yeah. am not an adverse sufferer of the effects of perimenopause, so I've been able to kind of navigate yeah. my way through the last few years with yep. lifestyle changes, like I made some significant lifestyle changes and I really did see things improve. Um, 
should I still be considering taking HRT because my estrogen is dropping as well? So yeah, you should. Okay, right. You've answered my question. I think I was not even thinking about it. So that's actually really awesome. I think you should consider it. You said, should I consider? I think you should because a lot of women choose to take it for fairly minimal symptoms. As I said, 80% will have symptoms. As I said, 20% really won't seemingly have many symptoms. But a lot of women come to me for their, want to check their future health. Um, and we know that, yes, it's really important weight-bearing exercises, doing the weight, but actually estrogen is even more effective on bone density and muscle mass and cognition. Um, so it's more effective than the lifestyle changes. So you, you know, you've got to think about your future health. And a lot of women um, have normalized so many symptoms that they just suddenly feel better and realize, gosh, I was I was at 80% actually, and I'd rather be at 100%. I want to live my best life, sort of thing. So I think that's a valid reason. And it has to be an individual decision. Um, and everyone's circumstances slightly obviously very different so it's discussing a discussion with your healthcare practitioner about yeah oh well, you've completely nailed it on the head for me absolutely <laughs> I mean and I think yeah I, probably, I have a few sort of other really good friends that also in the fitness industry that yeah. would be at a similar level that we go oh well, we're dealing with it you know we've yeah we've, I've, you I've know, got a lot of friends a lot okay. of friends in the fitness and um I don't see why there should be an argument HRT or natural I you know, or, or, you know, lifestyle, I'd say, I, I would advocate both, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, get your hormones right, we know that that's going to be doing a wonderful job on those on the heart, and the arteries and the bones. And then we can enhance that by doing weight, you know, resistance training to enhance that and eating healthily plant based diet, if you like, five portions of fruit and vegetables, anyway, sensible eating, alcohol in check, um, you know, all this, all this um, lifestyle is really important. You know, mindfulness, exercise, good for the mind and, and um, anxiety, etc. It should still be done. Um, yoga, yeah. a lot of people find that really helpful as well. So I think why not do? Why not have everything? You don't have to have it's not an either or. You can do everything. Um, you can have it all. <laughs> you can have it all, but the most effective. Don't be yeah. thinking um that you know just just muscle training which will really help and help the mental uh, you know aspects of life and, and the menopause it it won't it's not effective on the bones as estrogen you know it's just right. like a treatment that's so good to know yeah i mean my personal goal is to have the next 50 years feeling as good yeah. as i do today but i'm yeah. but i'm not taking hrt so i'm thinking well hang on why not? <laughs> well, Why should another I? Option, another yeah. option is try it. Try it and see how you feel. You know, it's, see, and yeah, you can, I think if you don't like just it, writing fine. it down. Um, I'm going to add that on my list of things to do to set up my life in New Zealand. So, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got like house check, school for son check, yeah. and now me. Yeah, I'll but do why that. don't you put you yeah. to the top of the list for a change? Oh, yeah, yeah good point, good point. Yeah, because yeah. we don't do that because we're those no. women that don't, yeah. We I don't know, do I yeah. know. <laughs> this is the problem. So I think there's many, many benefits of HRT and, um, you know, not to be frightened of. Uh, you know, I'm afraid one in seven of us are going to get breast cancer, 90% curable now, which is great news. Um, 
But so clearly women who take HRT will get breast cancer. But for the vast, 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 vast majority, they would have got it anyway. That's it. Yeah. The, the tiny little extra risk from HRT is, is a splash in the ocean compared with, you know, vast majority of cases. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been so, so enlightening. I mean, uh, you know, it's the one yeah. key area of all the research and study that I've done, people I've had conversations with, and of course, the interviews and the podcasts to help my woman friends out there understand, you know, what's going on and how we can continue to live our best lives. I just want to also um, give a really big shout out to your app, the Balance app. Um, I downloaded it about eight weeks ago and um, there's some really good and easy to follow information there on what's happening to your body, how to track your cycle, how to pay attention to these symptoms that you've mentioned. So um, how, did, how did that come about, the app? What, what got started? You lying in bed at night thinking, I'm going to do an app. Like, <laughs> how did that work well, out? No, yeah, I, although my director of, of the uh, Balance app is Dr. Louise Newsom. It's her brainchild. She's the, uh, as you know, she is the pioneer of, med- of uh, menopause care. And I'm privileged enough to know her as a friend and, and work alongside her as a director. But anyway, so she started the app and um, we all came on board. Uh, you know, it's such a brilliant idea because we know what women want. We can see so many. We know what, what you know, we hear the same stories and it's, and it's heartbreaking, actually. I think women really are a power. Women help women. It's such a force. When women feel better, they don't want others to suffer like they have. And they really can improve things. So it's free. So have a go. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. It's, but it's free um and there's a community to talk to uh, which i think women find really helpful women like to talk you know it's good um and there's evidence-based non-pharma funded uh there's no pharma pharma industry involved with this um evidence-based medicine available about hrt about um all sorts of things uh, very, very informative and useful things about diet, recipes, um, exercise, etc. So um, alternatives as well. Not everyone is HRT is a first line treatment. Um, so that's important. So obviously an individualized consultation is needed with a healthcare professional. Um, but for the vast majority of women can safely take HRT. Certain cases may it may not be first line, for example, East receptacle breast cancer. Um, but it's all about the individual making their choice, an informed choice. And that's all I, it's, you know, the main thing I worry about is, is it informed? Um, then that's fine. If a woman is informed, that's fine. Um, and it's having those conversations with your healthcare professional. But unfortunately, even healthcare professionals, certainly in the UK, there's been so much um you know mis- misunderstanding about hrt even in those quarters because they haven't been taught properly not their fault it hasn't been there the education hasn't been there um and really you know louise newson has really helped that and helped uh, inform and educate um which i hope will see a, a change in in the approach yeah, I feel like you, you've hit the nail on the head there because I feel like it's women who are going through menopause mm. that are sort of creating this tide 
of we want information we want information and then their doctors are like well i don't know yeah i don't i don't know what to give you i i've got to go find out or or we find out ourselves this is what's happening so um i think we the woman ourselves in this in this age this generation of women who are like i need information (laughs) i need it now i need i know i should feel better than this we are accelerating the conversation it'll be amazing Um, i'm really looking forward to the you know the the all industries medical wellness fitness everything to get on board with how to make women live their best life how to help them live their best life yeah you you and me both that's absolutely what i what i want and and we we will achieve, I'm sure. We will achieve it. Yeah, I think that, you know, <laughs> 10 years from now, people, everyone, it'll yeah. just be a normal conversation. We talk about puberty, you know, yeah. and then the bookend is is uh, menopause. And then we'll be having the com- same conversation. Oh, it'll be general. You need to do this, 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 and this. You know, like, yeah, very easy. Like, and, yeah. like antenatal care, there was no such thing in the Victorian times. Now you're pregnant, you're it's managed because we know there's the benefits. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, we're now talking about uh, menopause is now on the curriculum in the UK. Um, and we need to be talking with our daughters and, yeah. you know, it's not taboo, it's not shrouded in secrecy. Um, and young women have it, it's not an old woman uh, problem, it's uh, all ages, um, etc. really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just, just a funny, funny uh, way to sort of wrap up our conversation. So I have a 16 year old. <laughs> so she's... Yeah. Um, she's you know going through puberty or has been yeah you know since she was 12 and uh, I was going through perimenopause when she was going through puberty um so she tells me and sends me text messages and snapchats that her girlfriend's moms are listening to my podcast (laughs) (laughs) I'm like yeah my daughter yeah yeah she's like oh so and so is loving your podcast mum and I don't think she has any idea what it's about so (laughs) yeah hey thank you so much Rebecca it was um, fantastic to have you I know so many people are going to just be so informed and enlightened around their options and I think that's what what's really vital here this conversation Good. Well, absolute pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. Um, It's lovely to talk to people on New Zealand as well. (laughs) Well, what a freaking eye opener that was, right? I mean, I had never considered HRT and I really felt like I should be doing everything as naturally as possible. But I'm actually going to look into it and I'll let you know how I go. The most important thing here and through the podcast is that you know you have options. You can do whatever works for you. So you do you, boo. Hey, it's been three months and over 5,000 downloads to Sexy Aging and I couldn't be more thrilled to know that women out there are starting to get the conversations going and the information that they need to help them transition through this incredible third age. And it can be incredible. Now, we don't want to hold this information to ourselves. It's imperative that we share this with our girlfriends, with our moms, with our significant others, so that we can all get on board and understand what's going on with our bodies and our minds. It's so important to share this information. It's no longer taboo. It is a conversation that needs to be had across all walks of life, 
uh, from career to home life to relationships. So, so important for our mental health as well. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, subscribing, rating on Apple Podcasts, come on, be a darling, get on it and share the good news that the menopause story is here and we've got this. Let's do it, ladies.